You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Actor Coleman Domingo, who is in the Oscar-nominated film adaptation of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, joins the Post to discuss Rainey's story, his own wide-ranging career, and how art can give voice to issues around racial injustice. Let's listen. Good afternoon, I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for the Washington Post, and welcome to Washington Post Live for another installment of our Race in America series. August Wilson's play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom debuted on Broadway in 1984, garnering a Tony Award nomination for Best Play. Today, the powerful film adaptation on Netflix of the drama set in 1920s Chicago has five Oscar nominations. Joining me now is a star of the film, veteran actor, playwright, director, Coleman Domingo. Hello. Thanks for coming to Washington Post Live. Welcome. Can I call you Coleman? You sure can, Jonathan. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have home training. So, so let's start with Ma. Let's start with Ma Rainey. Who was she and why was she such a trailblazer? Ma Rainey is the mother of the blues. She is um, someone who has, she carved her whole existence out, actually being so forthright and self-possessed when it comes to her music and the way she has agency in the world. She created her own sort of ecosystem when it comes to having power in a male-dominated industry. Also, she was openly bisexual. She was very much a revolutionary. In, in, in her lyrics and in the way she lived her life. So I'm very happy that August Wilson's pen took to loving uh, telling her story, which is a very impactful and important story in America. Yeah, yeah, and very powerful. And watching the film, you know, I've sort of in my 2021 kind of way was flinching at the way, at how assertive she was and how yeah. um, forthright she was in standing up right. for herself, flinching because I know the history of our country in 1920 Chicago. Anyone talking like that, behaving like that, who's black, would be met with all sorts of reprisals. Given who she, given who she was, and everything she was able to do, how how was she able to do that? And what were the challenges she met along the way? You know what? She had many challenges. Again, she, it was a, such a male-dominated industry of the blues. But there's something about those people who stood up against the system and said, no, pay me my worth or I can go back. I've, she created her own audiences. She, she owned a couple of theaters in the South. So she knew her worth truly. And so when she was coming up to the North to record, she, um, you know, of course those systems were against her. And I think that she just tried to, I think, speak with as much grace and clarity about her worth, knowing what her voice was and knowing uh, the impact that she could make. So there are so many of the Ma Rainey's that, you know, we don't know their history and know how we got to where we are now. So I think that's why it's great to really reflect on this and really, you know, give them voice truly to know where we've come from and took the knocks before us. Yeah, there, there are, I mean, as with all of August Wilson's uh, plays, they, you know, they're artistic, but they draw on real life. They draw on the real struggle. Yes. Of, of black Americans, but also working class Americans and the struggles that they, they face. And there are lots of things that Ma Rainey says, well, Viola Davis as Ma Rainey says in the film. One of them was, they don't care nothing about, about me. All they want is my voice. 
talk, talk about mm. Ma Rainey's uh, battles with white producers at the time, but also how what she says there, they don't care nothing about me, all they want is my voice, how that is reflective of black artists um, walking in the, in the artistic world. Well, that's something I think I understand <laughs> very deeply, uh, being an artist for over 30 years and knowing that you're constantly having to prove your worth. Viola Davis even talked about that in an interview, how constantly, no matter how many accolades that she has, that she still has to have certain fights that she doesn't feel that she should anymore. And that is the significance of Ma Rainey. She, was, she had to fight, fight, fight. You feel like every single day you have to fight. I know that as a black artist as well, that you always feel that you know that, you know that your white counterparts may not have it as hard. And I think that we're now becoming more vocal about it and just saying, mm -hmm that I just want my worth. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for any handouts. I'm not asking you to give me anything. I actually just want my worth and for you to pay me my worth, for you to, if you say you're contractually, you're gonna do this, if you're gonna set up the world to make sure that I'm taken care of, then really take care of me. And I think that that's something that I understand and many black artists do understand. It is always more difficult for us in this industry. And I think that we're now becoming a bit more vocal about that as well. And knowing mm -hmm. that all we have is our talent in our voice. And if you don't respect that, then I need to do something else. Or I need to, I mean, I've, I've always been a person who sort of created my own systems as well, so I can survive and thrive in this industry. And I think that that's something that Ma Rainey did. And I think that that's something that is absolutely true right now. There's not, there's not one lie in that statement when she says, they don't care nothing about me, but my voice. And she's demanding them to say, not just my voice, take all of me which is why I love that she's so forthright in her being in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in every single way. I, I, I admire know, the Ma Rainey's, yeah. Yeah, and in, in fact, I was just about to ask you about this other line and you just touched on it where she says, they want your talent, but they don't want all of you. And in creating that, that um, ecosystem, the ecosphere that you were talking about around yourself, how do you, you know, even in my profession, I run into that where they want your voice, but they don't want all of you. How do you push back against that? And how do you make them take all of you as an artist? You demand it. You demand it by, the, by being as open, graceful, and loving. But to let people know that also, that we as African-Americans, we do know this, that grace is a choice. It truly is. We, we also have the spirit and fire in us to burn it all down, but we're trying, we work hard, we're very patient. We try to work within the systems, but I think now it is about saying, no, this is my worth and standing on that. I know that for sure to be true because that's all we have. Otherwise, why do it? And I think that it's just really, um, it's about time. I think that, and it's about time that they knew that, you know, our counterparts are, are, fellows with other hues, our counterparts, that they know that it's their responsibility as well. It shouldn't just be about me always stepping up. Uh, to be very honest, the first contract I ever received in my life um, where I didn't have to fight because I was very respected from my credentials, from my experience, um, my work ethic, was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And it, has, it makes you think because it's helmed by Denzel Washington and, and Todd Black and uh, uh, George C. Wolfe, incredible director. So it is people who understand and respect your worth. And they're not coming in under 
to see if they can pay you under your worth. They're coming in on top of it, saying, we respect you and know your worth, and we're going to give you that. You know, even though this is set in 1920s Chicago, you know, we're watching this in 2021 America. And even though the things that they're talking about, you know, Chadwick Boseman's character, uh, um, Levy, who's doing a monologue about the time his mother, I think it was his mother, when white men raped his mother. Um, your character, I believe, is, uh, or at least one of the band members, is holding a newspaper that has a headline about a lynching. Yeah. And in 2021, a lot of the dialogue, a lot of what's being said in the movie, in Maya Rainey's uh, Black Bottom, they're relevant today, aren't they? Talk more about that. Absolutely relevant today. Levy is such a, a symptom of America. He's, he's someone who is played beautifully by Chadwick Boseman. He's someone who believes that the system can work for him in every single way. He's believing, again, we, we do believe that if, if it's about justice, if it's about giving us our due, um, that we're going to get that. But also, I love that the fact that, yeah, there are headlines, and that was a planting that George did, a headline of today's headlines of, like, exactly how Black people are treating in America. To understand that in context with these arguments and um, these um, interrogations about Blackness and our place in it in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's, it's all of it. So he wanted to make sure that we also knew what was happening outside of that studio and in that rehearsal room, that we knew that our lives were at stake. And that's also what we're wrestling with with our dialogue. Our lives are at stake. Our livelihoods are at stake. And um, it's absolutely indicative of what's been going on in America. I, I didn't know that Ma Rainey was going to be such a gift when it comes to a conversation about race, because we shot it um, two years ago. and. Oh, not that I didn't, wow. not that I was unaware, yeah, not that I was unaware that we would be in the middle of what we've been in, been in the middle of, but I, I thought that it was just very apropos that, that it, it's giving us a tool. We have to go into these places like the theater, uh, well, these days now on your laptop or <laughs> et cetera, but to go into the theater with a play like Ma Rainey to wrestle with these ideas about who we are in America and what we can be. It's the safest place to be very honest. And that's what August Wilson does. He gives us such honest language of exactly to the core what African-Americans um, think is important, the way we speak to each other, that we're not a monolith, that we have different ideals and, and, and things that we, we want. And we're wrestling with it together as we wrestling with America, which is what was on that headline in that newspaper. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your, about your character. You're the band leader. Um, Talk about your character in relation to to Levy, Ma Rainey, um, the other characters, and what did the role mean to you? Mm. The role of Cutler meant everything to me because I understand Cutler. Cutler is he's one of the boys in the band. He's also uh, Ma Rainey's proxy when she's not in the room. He's also uh, the first face that the white establishment sees when he enters their spaces. So he's really doing a dance and it's a subtle dance with a lot of code switching attached to it as mm -hmm. well. Um, looking at how he sort of maneuvers through the world to make his place in the world and then just have some peace. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to have some peace in this day and get the job done. And he's, um, there's these moments that I know for sure that I was very cognizant of, of making sure that like the moment um, the white agent came into the room to try to shrink my six foot two body 
down a few notches and really use a certain tone to be heard and to be somewhat deferential and also, but also to assert that he does have power in this system. So it is a tricky dance. It's a very difficult role, to be very honest. And I think that, um, I, you know, I, it, he's got to um, be the glue uh, in the whole event to make sure that everything keeps moving forward. And it's, um, I, it means the world to me. I've always been, I feel like George C. Wolf cast everyone perfectly because I've always been sort of the equity deputy in a stage production. I'm always the one when people say, oh, something, some wrongs need to be righted. They look to me. And so apparently I'm that guy who knows how to do that dance. And so I think I brought some of myself into there as well. You know, one thing you said is that you were Ma Rainey's sort of, uh, you were her voice with the band. You yeah. were her, 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 her representative, her diplomat. Yes, uh, And exactly. I want to play, <laughs> and I want to play a scene between you, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman, and the other band, the other band members uh, mm -hmm. in this fantastic scene. Let's watch. We're doing my version. That's what Mr. Irvin told me. Say it's on the list he gave. You let me worry about what's on the list. What kind of sense to make to rehearse the wrong version of the song? You're supposed to rehearse what you're going to play. That's the way they taught me. That's what I'm trying to tell the now man. You're trying to tell me what we is and ain't going to play, and that ain't none of your business. Your oh, business is to play what I say. Oh, I see now. You done got jealous because Mr. Irvin <laughs> using my version. <laughs> what the hell I got to be jealous of you about? The day I get jealous of you, I may as well lay down and die. You let me start and all that because you're too lazy to rehearse. Where's the paper? Look at the paper, see what it say. Go tell me I'm too lazy. We ain't talking about the paper. We talking about you understanding where you fit in when you're around here. You play what I say. I don't care what you play. And, and right there, you see, and it, it didn't click. When I watched it in the watched the movie and saw that scene, it didn't click what was going on there until you just said what you said about being Ma Rainey's uh, mouthpiece, her, her, her uh, envoy. You were trying to tell him, I don't care what's on the white man's sheet. Ma is not going to sing your version. Absolutely. And I'm, think, and think, I'm trying yes. to get that through to you, young man. And get him straight. Exactly. <laughs> trying, to, trying to gather him up. I think that uh, it's, first of all, I love working with those men and, um, you know, Chadwick and Glenn and Michael. And we really did really learn how to strike that balance with one another. And uh, I think that all Cutler keeps saying, he said, no, you have to wait for Ma. It's about Ma. I think he's an ultimate feminist as well. I think there's another layer to him as well. He's making sure that he protects Ma because Ma protects not only him, but the entire band. We're under her system, which is very interesting and very rare, but under her whole system. And so basically he's like, no, no, no. We can be deferential to the white producers, et cetera, but it's about Ma. We're empowering Ma because she's, she's given us our power and our place in this industry. That scene that we just saw, um, obviously has Chadwick Boseman as, as Levy. Um, he has since passed away, I believe he passed away in August. Um, would love to hear from you what it was like working with, Chad, with Chadwick Boseman. And did you know what he was going through at the time of filming? No, I did not know what he was going through. What I saw was a man who had an incredible work ethic. And he's funny, silly. We laughed a lot. Anytime I see behind the scenes footage, you see us falling all over each other. Uh, we just really enjoyed doing the work. Uh, that's something that I really just um, remember about him. He was so immersed in the work and learning his instrument 
and creating. And I, I can't say whether or not that was because of his illness, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. What I saw was him giving his whole life to this work because it was meaningful. That's what August Wilson gives us. And um, so we all put all of our sweat, tears, heartache, heartbreak, bought a lot of ourselves into our work. Um, so that's all I saw. And I saw um, even on our last day, I know he was exhausted, but we were all exhausted. We, we, we left it all on the floor. And, um, and then he left me, you know, he sent me a beautiful rap gift, you know, saying that he looks forward to seeing me again. He bought me a, a record player. Uh, he wanted to give me a gift of music. And he said, you know, may God keep you until we see each other again. And I thought that again would be soon or doing press or something. Um, but I guess his fate was was, was sealed. Uh, but I do remember he had such a huge life force um, and a grace and humor and a sweetness to him. And uh, I, I think that he's going to have an impact on culture and film society for many, many years. You know, I, I am ashamed to say that the first time I saw you was in If Beale Street Could Talk. Really? Um, yes, yes. Jonathan, really? Way. I've been working for 30 years. That's the first I, time you saw me. <laughs> I, I said I'm sorry. Um, but, but I bring that up. I loved that movie. And I loved every character in that movie. I especially loved your character. That, that movie said so much um, yeah, there was the story, but it said so much about who we are as a people, who we are as Black people, um, you know, our innate goodness and wanting to be part of the fabric of this country. Obviously, if Beale Street Could Talk was uh, written by James Baldwin, the chronicler of, of Black America, but so is August Wilson and his plays, particularly the the, the Pittsburgh series. I think there's 10 plays um, that August Wilson um, wrote all centered on Pittsburgh, also writing about and giving voice to about what it means to be Black in America. As an artist, um, certainly as an African-American, I would love to hear your thoughts on those two men, James Baldwin and August Wilson, and mm. their chronicling of the Black experience in America, and hopefully of America's understanding of who we are, truly as a people. Wow. You know, um, James Baldwin, he, there's a quote that I'm gonna butcher right now, but he said something to the effect of, I have the right to criticize America because I love mm -hmm. it so much. And I think that um, the critiquing of America and its ideals and what it could be, what the promise is, I think he is that honest mirror and in interrogating of America. That's why I always go back to James Baldwin. I mean, I always have James Baldwin literally like within arm's reach. Because I think it, sometimes he helps me wrestle with what's going on in the world, what I see on, on the news channels. And he helps give you context so you can live, so you can have hope, to be honest. August Wilson does the same thing. He's an interrogator of um, America and all the, the great things about us, all the poor things about us. The, and he, Puts it, put it thin in the mouth of ordinary people, of working class people. And same with James Baldwin. He speaks to our sisters and our brothers and our aunties and our uncles. And he speaks to uh, the, the, the soul of America. That's why I think they're so impactful and significant and why I keep them within arm's reach because and they're, they're my personal heroes, truly, especially James Baldwin. 
No one can put a phrase together like James Baldwin. And it all makes so much sense. And then suddenly you can see, that sounds, I don't know, maybe kind of odd, but suddenly you can see your place in America, what America is, um, what it hopes to be, what it was built on, and it helps you give you your place. You can stand a little taller. You can, you can greet the world with even more grace and dignity and fire because it, it's, it's, it's putting it in your soul. That's why I love um, books so much and plays because it, it goes inside of you. Like Maya Angelou says, words are things get on you. And if you take that in, that's the way you have a, a more of an I identity in America, which has always tried to um, make us all have amnesia, black, white, and other. And that's why I think it's important. I'm always telling my students, it's important for you to know. I teach my students when I'm teaching acting. I teach my white students, August Wilson. You must learn August Wilson as you learn O'Neill, as you learn Ibsen. You must know about us as we have learned about you. And I think that's why, you know, things like Bill Street Guitar, Marini's Black Bottom are so important. And they're not just for black folks. They're for, they're for all of us. They're for America. Anyone who loves America, it's for you because you need to, we need to know each other. And that's the only way we're going to get better and stronger and more loving, um, more peaceful. Thank you. And, and speaking of, you know, getting to know each other, you said in an interview with uh, Vox in 2018, um, you said, quote, I think that James Baldwin knows the complexities of African-American men, especially these blue collar, hardworking men. We don't usually see these guys. They're so ordinary in a strange way, but in their simplicity, they're actually quite extraordinary. And that's what I think. Um, you know, also about James Baldwin and, and August Wilson, he is he's reflecting who we are um, in ways that we know it, we see it, yeah. we live it. They're loving, but they're the, loving black men, mm -hmm. right? And, and yeah. that's what I loved about your your character, your character in in Beale Street. Um, it was such a loving, a loving black man father, family man who is doing everything he could to to hold his family together in the middle of so much tumult. What's not extraordinary to to us when we see it on the screen because we live it is extraordinary to us when we see it on the screen because we so rarely see it. Yes, I've had nothing but the most outpouring of love and respect, especially for if Beale Street could talk. I had so many women in particular reaching out and saying, thank you for the first time I saw my father, I saw my mm. uncle, I saw my brother, and we don't usually see that. And we have to also question that. Why don't we see that? Mm -hmm. Why don't we think that that's an important uh, thing to amplify when it comes to uh, roles and characters that we see um, of my hue? I think that, you know, I think that, you know, he, he, he basically characters like that fight against tropes. It's like, oh, you think you know who we are, but you really don't at all. Mm -hmm. Which is why I take that. I mean, when I tell you that I love the brothers that I've been able to play, because that that is my stepfather. That is my brother. My brother is a barber. My stepfather um, sanded hardwood floors for 11 blue collar guys who their job was to take care of the family and make sure that, you know, I remember my, my, my stepfather had a second grade education and he would always tell me, he said, my job is to make sure I work so hard, I break my back so you can have it a little bit easier. 
So they're superheroes to me, these men. They truly are. It's like, you know, they, they, they know the, the mother did the rearing and, the, you know, he did the discipline and he also made sure that food was on the table and that we were provided for. And he was hard on me. I remember my stepfather in particular was hard on me because he wanted sure that I was a good citizen. He wanted a great life for me and for me to know myself in the world. Um, and so I think that that's why those guys are superheroes to me. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're rarely seen. And it's time that we have more of those characters out there. That shows about, so then people will think twice when they think they know us, when they think they know who we are, especially from the inner city. Because that I write, as a writer, I write many perspectives from the inner city because I never saw them. I was like, well, you know, I, I grew up in a house with a mom and a stepfather and we ate at six o'clock around the table and we, you know, we kids went to college. There was no gang banging and drugs. So I, I choose to write about those worlds because, and they seem, we know them, Jonathan, but I think it seems foreign to others when they have an idea of who we are. And we have to, right. I think the only way to fight that, the only way to, to, to truly fight it is to create these loving, complex, um, experiences. And we don't all have to be superheroes. We can be terrible people, but it has to be complex. Right. Complex and whole. Um, we've got a little bit of time left, but we can't have this conversation that we're having and not talk about the trial that is literally happening right now as we're talking. And that is the uh, Derek Chauvin's trial for the, the killing of George Floyd last May in Minneapolis. Um, you, you wrote after his death last year, quote, taking a knee didn't work. It's time to, it's time to stand. Did the country stand in the way you had hoped? I'm not sure. I think the country is standing, but we're on some wobbly knees because it takes all of us and it's a daily practice of a revolution. It's a daily practice, it's a personal practice, and it can't just be done by putting up um, an anti-racism statement on a website and saying we did our job, but it's daily, daily practices. So I think we're trying to stand, we're trying. Some people have sat down already. They went back to their Instagram posting cute pictures. But I think that um, it is something that we have to be dedicated to in order for us all to win, to be very honest. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, I'm hopeful we can get there. I've met with incredible leaders from the civil rights movement who says they have a lot of hope because finally people are sort of trying to get there to stand up. For the first time, all these history and, and, and years of oppression and, and strife are finally, it's on everyone's minds. You can't get away from it. So I think that we're trying. I think we're trying, but we've got to really mm-hmm. truly commit to it every single day. Have you had any chance or time or opportunity to see any of the trial, any of the Derek Chauvin trial? I have. I've made it a practice this year to really um, curate my news feed. (laughs) So I will watch (laughs) maybe about a half an hour at the end of the day when I can take it. Because before, you know, you can't go into this 24-hour news cycle. I just can't do it. It just, I need joy. I need to live. And I have watched a little, and it's um, it's distressing, it's upsetting, because um, there is that it's that black trauma that you feel like you're reliving, you're reliving in the eyes of people taking the witness stand, and I hurt for them, watching Derek, uh, watching George Floyd in his moments before he died in that grocery store, 
is painful to watch, to watch someone living and then knowing his fate. I'm, you know, I understand due process like anyone else, but I almost don't understand this trial, to be very honest, because we all saw, we all bore witness to this. We saw, there's no question. I don't care if he was high or not. I don't care. What we saw is a murder, plain and simple. We all saw it with our own two eyes. There's no refuting it. So justice must be served. And with that, um, we are out of time. Coleman Domingo, I could sit and keep talking to you all day. I wish, I hope mm. that we will be able to meet one day in person to continue I this great conversation. You, you, you have no idea. I admire you. And you're, you're, you're my buddy, whether you know it or not. <laughs> oh, well, th <laughs> thank you. That is, that is such an honor. Thank you very much. Coleman Domingo, who's starring in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Thank you very much for coming to Washington Post Live. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern for First Look, your one-stop shop for news and analysis, the latest news and analysis from Washington Post reporters from the newsroom and the opinion pages. Until then, I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for the Washington Post. Thank you very much for watching Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.